When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. That being said, um, I'll be playing football and baseball for the next three to four years at uh, South Carolina University. <laughs> Go Gamecocks. Lots going on, recruiting. The, the, the last, what, uh, three days have been wild. National Sign Day on Wednesday. South Carolina actually has an open football practice later on today, 3 o'clock. Uh, Chris and I will both be there as well. So that is the reason for the little bit earlier than normal show, and the reason why we'll probably go a little bit short today, but figured there was enough to talk about that we had to hop on. Um, Chris, the last three days, man, ha- have been crazy. Who who do we start with? Well, you know, you put a – when I logged on to, to get on here and saw Jay Sean Barham in the title, I was like, wait a minute, have we not talked about Jay Sean Barham yet? And I remember like we, we talked about the lead-up to it, but not – the actual commitment. Let's start with him. He was the oldest, quote unquote, of the of the two most recent linebacker commitments. So let's start there. The four star linebacker out of Maryland, big pickup for the Gamecocks, obviously in a kind of a surprise fashion, which was which was neat. Yeah, it was like a big picture, not a surprise, but then a day of definitely surprise. Right. Um, you know, if, if you listen to our lead in on Friday. And then you just were out Christmas shopping all day Saturday and you saw, oh, he committed. You'd have been like, oh, wow, that's cool. You know, everybody was right. Everybody said he was going to commit. And then he did. If you followed the blow by blow, like, you know, uh, hourly type updates on it, then you you saw that South Carolina appeared to be in, in really good shape, then appeared to be in not really good shape. And. You know, I, I don't know if people quite understand how, uh, you know, how, how much it appeared to be Maryland at, at one point. I, I think um, absolutely safe to say if, you know, if you had just polled the different staffs involved, uh, you know, I, I think Maryland staff would have felt really good about getting him at that moment, you know, maybe a couple of hours before the announcement. And I think South Carolina staff would have been um, – feeling not not so great about their opportunity to get him. And then, uh, you know, the, the shocker at the very last second with uh, Jay Sean Barham picking South Carolina over Maryland, over Penn State, um, over Oklahoma, which was kind of the fourth team there involved. But I, I think they were kind of – I think Oklahoma was out once Lincoln Riley left. And, yeah, man, he, no matter how you get there, great pickup for South Carolina and one that I, I think – they're going to have to make sure, obviously, to hold on to for these next 48 hours. 
I don't expect Maryland to quit. I know you don't either, Chris. Uh, you know, the buzz out there is that they're not going to quit on this one. Keep an eye on them. But uh, let, let's assume that happens. Carolina holds on to him. He signs with South Carolina on Wednesday. How, how big of a get is this for uh, – let's let's throw some love at, at Mike Peterson. Um, he, he operates well when – it's a guy who sort of is, is able to maybe fly under the radar a bit, and he operates well in, in situations, I think, where, you know, he can kind of just lock in on a guy and, and build that relationship. Yeah, and, and it's funny you said that, man. You, you, I think I'll give you full credit. You made that point about how Mike Peterson kind of can lock in on these individual recruiting battles and and go out and win some of them. And – I thought of like the three headline guys. If Barman's up sticking with Carolina, signing on Wednesday, this isn't a complete list by any means, right? But you think about some of the guys that Mike P has signed, and you think about sorry, Wes, I'm about to lose my ring light here. Let me fix it. Uh, you think about Jordan Birch, who said as close to absolutely nothing as you can during the process. Uh, we all remember that one. You think about J.J. and Igbari. Now, J.J., from my recollection, he was the 2018 class. That was a while back. He he talked some, not a lot. And that was one where Georgia Georgia wanted J.J. and Igbari in that class. Carolina was able to go out and win that one. Jordan Birch was obviously coveted by programs around the Southeast and beyond. And now J. Sean Barr, my guy that Carolina had to pull out of the DMV area. And just looking back on that recruitment, you know, heading in, the thought was, either Penn State or South Carolina. South Carolina had been positioned well based on a lot of feedback that had been given um, that, that we heard, that we caught wind of. We also did hear, you can't sleep on Maryland, right? Now we get up to the to the day of, start checking, and you start hearing all the Maryland buzz. And you go, okay, something something's happened here. So everybody's anticipating that up until minutes before the announcement. Then he announces for the Gamecocks. So, Wild times, very interesting, and, and a really good recruiting job for sure by Mike Peterson and the rest of the staff to, to get that done. Now, they do have to cross the finish line for sure. But if they can, uh, this is a significant pickup, man. This is a kid that, yeah, we haven't heard a ton from him during the recruiting process, but uh, he's a kid who's got a really unique skill set, super athletic. Wes, reading what you wrote on GamecockCentral.com this week, the Inside the Commitment piece, I know you took the liberty of just classifying him as a linebacker. Um, he's kind of been recruited at, by South Carolina and Mike Peterson as an edge player. But this is a guy you could slot anywhere. If you say, go play Mike, go play Will, go play a Sam linebacker type spot, or go play Buck or Edge or whatever you want to call it, he can go and do that. He's got the skill set to do it. He can run sideline to sideline. He can pass rush. Really, really intriguing prospect and would be a huge get if they can hold on to him. Yeah, and, you know, I think he's a guy where obviously you look, man, I mean, so he, he is, he's listed as a linebacker on Rivals. He's listed as a linebacker on the, uh, on, on the different sites. Uh, but as you said, South Carolina sort of said, you know, this, this is an edge guy. You watch the film, though, and you're like, dude, this guy can play anywhere. Let, let's, let's just see, let's see where he slots. Let, let's see where it makes most sense. Um, dude, we'll, we'll get into, I would say the, the totality of this linebacker class, either 
the end of this show, or it might be something that gets pushed to Wednesday. But um, all of a sudden, I'll say this just in general, all of a sudden it's a very interesting linebacker class as far as the varying skill sets of the guys that South Carolina has committed. Um, and, and again, kind of going going outside of – I would almost say going outside of their comfort zone. Like these, these are kids who committed to South Carolina um, over some some pretty good programs, but that are not in the normal South Carolina footprint as far as recruiting goes. I wanted to hit on a comment here. Um, let's see if I can get to it, y'all. Where'd it go? Uh, Nick asking on uh, on Facebook. He said, "You know what was the whole issue with Barham going to Maryland?" Um, I will say, I'll just say it like this, Nick. The issue was that Barham was going to Maryland. Uh, you know, I, I think, <laughs> right. I think, you know, again, I, I, the only way I can say it is everyone involved thought it was Maryland for a number of hours. Um, so, obviously, ended up not being Maryland. He committed to South Carolina, but um, I. That's not just people like outside of of the recruitment thinking, um, oh, you know, it's going to be Maryland, and then it really wasn't. Uh, I, I feel very comfortable saying it was going to be Maryland, and then um, it, it, it flipped again. So who knows? And, and that's part of the reason why we say just you know hang hang in there, keep keep watching it for the, for the next forty eight hours, and, and see what happens there for South Carolina. Um, Let's talk about let's talk about Stone Blanton, man. I I look at this as a great win for Clayton White. Obviously, um, I think that the thing you can say about Stone Blanton is he he was committed to Mississippi State baseball for all that time, Chris, but he was open minded enough to let the other schools recruit him. And you know, I I think at some point it seems like the his football recruitment took precedent over baseball. It felt like, and you know, you and I talked after the June official visit. If we were to make a prediction at the time, it probably would have been for South Carolina. The feedback there was very positive. Then I don't know if it was more our perception or just um, the fact he hadn't visited in a while. It kind of felt like South Carolina had fallen off a little bit. Uh, you know, just we didn't, we didn't hear Stone's name as much. And then you and I sort of did the little eyeball emoji at each other when he popped up as a potential visitor for the Clemson game. And then you're like, well, maybe they're in this thing. And then Clayton White takes the end home. Shane Beamer does the end school visit. And all of a sudden it's Sunday and it looks like the Gamecocks are about to land the kid than they do on Monday. Um, I thought this was kind of like a stay the course recruitment that Clayton White's not like this flashy recruiter that is going to fill your head with a bunch of stuff. But I do think Clayton White is a relationship builder. You you get that from his players as well. And I think the relationship just sort of held up here. Yeah, it, it was a really fascinating recruitment. And, and you're right. Like I, I've told this um, analogy, not analogy. I've told this story, you know, several times about how, you know, back in June when they had one of the big official visit weekends, we heard there's one particular one where coming out of it, we heard amazing feedback on a couple prospects. And one of them was Ryan Brubaker, the offensive lineman from Pennsylvania, who 
ended up committing in the summer to the Gamecocks. And the other one was Stone Blanton. And, you know, after that, we were like, look, I think they've got a good shot to land Stone. But the question kind of was, well, would he make a summer commitment for football or would he carry his, his process throughout and kind of keep it going throughout the season? And, and the latter is what he ended up doing. And so that kept the door open. Um, Ole Miss started pushing some. They kind of fell off at the end. There just wasn't a lot between those two parties by the end of this recruitment. I'd actually forgotten momentarily, Wes, that Stone actually visited South Carolina for the season opener, the Eastern Illinois game. He was actually there. But after that, it just kind of, like you said, just kind of fell off the face of the earth almost, where you just weren't hearing a lot. But you're right. They stayed the course. The in-homes were big. The question was, could they pull them away from Mississippi State? Not only the longstanding baseball commitment, right? That that had been in place uh, despite no football commitment. But can you just pull them out of the state of Mississippi? And they were able to do that. So uh, Mike Leach used his in-home visit the first week of the contact period. Shane Beamer held his over for the second week when he visited Stone Blanton School. Um, Clayton White, of course, was in the first contact period weekend. And Mississippi State's defensive coordinator, Zach Arnett, I think got the last at bat in terms of in-home visits. So impressive work, you know, for Carolina to basically come from behind and and be able to land Stone Blanton, who I think is going to be culturally a great fit for what Shane Beamer is trying to do. He plays a need position and he's kind of, he's a little bit of a throwback old school type linebacker on the field. Um. A couple of other questions here on Barham. I guess we'll hit and we'll come back to Stone. Tim um, asks, why are we so afraid that Barham won't stick with South Carolina? Um, it's not pessimism, Tim. We're not we're not just creating that. Um, generally, if we say something like that, there's a there's at least a reason that we're saying it. So we're not being pessimistic. We're not creating negative drama. You, I mean, that's not really our style at all. Um, that is just. We're just telling you that's something to keep an eye on, uh, you know, and, and we'll see we'll see how it plays out. Gen- generally, now if a kid commits on the Saturday before signing day, ch- chances are most of the time you, you're going to hold on to them. But it's worth monitoring, is what we're trying to say. Uh, USC Light says nice fake out or Lloyd slash Gamecocks made a final push. I don't even know if it's necessarily that that Carolina made the final push even necessarily. Or maybe if maybe Barham just changed his mind. That's what it felt. That's what it felt like to me was that, um, you know, he he had given. My impression is that he was given he had given indications to pretty much the people that needed to know that he was going to Maryland, and then he committed to South Carolina instead. <laughs> so I mean, I, I I think he literally changed his mind. Now actually getting, you know, getting an answer on that from Jay Sean Barham that, you know, the kid does not give interviews. So who, you know, we'll, we'll never know, I, I guess. Um, but yeah, back, back to Blanton as a player, I, you know, John here commenting said, you know, Blanton lays the wood. I mean, this, this is one of those dudes that when he hits people, they, uh, that they feel it, you know, like he, he is, they are aware that they have been hit by number 10, uh, you know, by Stone Blanton. So I, I think, I think he profiles as like a, a middle linebacker type 
He's an inside the box, uh, but but can he can run sideline to sideline. I, I don't think he's necessarily – I think he's a different skill set than, say, Barham. But I think uh, he's a guy who fits South Carolina well. I think he would handle uh, just talking to him. He would handle, like, the communication side of playing middle linebacker and, and the leadership stuff that, that goes with that. Uh, I think he would handle all that very, very well. And, and that's what you hear is that this is a – a future leader of his defense type player. Um, and, and that goes back to what I said earlier, Chris, you, you've got some just unique but varying skill sets of guys in this class. I mean, could 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 Barham be an edge guy? Certainly. Or could we look forward, it doesn't even have to be that far into the future, and an, another, se- like an, another season or two, could Stone Blanton and Jay Sean Barham be starting alongside each other with one at the mic and one at the wheel in this defense? I, I think that's actually a real possibility. Yeah, it is. I think Barham would fit that will type backer. Look, look how Brad Johnson was used this year, right, by Clayton White. First year transitioning to that true linebacker spot. Jay Sean Barham is going to come to South Carolina with more true linebacker experience than Brad Johnson had, right? Brad Johnson was a a defensive end or even a nose guard. He played nose guard in the Shrine Bowl in high school. And finally, this year has transitioned to Will Linebacker and will, from what we're hearing, probably be back next season to do it again. Um, you look at how South Carolina used him, they were able to utilize Brad a lot in pass rushing situations, which he kind of excelled in because of his background. So Barham's someone that has that pass rush ability. So when you you know look at him physically – he checks those boxes as, you know, do you feel like he can cover tight ends and running backs out of the backfield from an athletic standpoint? You do. Can he run down guys in space? Yes. Play in the box? Yes. And then he also can pass rush, you know, when you ask him to as a blitzer. So, and then I totally agree with you. I think Blanton is your your guy who can set the tone on the defense in the middle, communicate, get everybody set. Um, they put a lot on the linebackers in Clayton White's scheme you know, to do that, to get everybody lined up. And Blanton's definitely an in-the-box, you know, physical-type linebacker. So, Chris, um, also a baseball player. There's a couple questions about how, how South Carolina – how involved South Carolina was on the baseball side of things with Stone Blanton. Um, my impression is that it was kind of one of those things. So, there's an unwritten rule that if a guy is committed – and, again, Blanton has been sort of committed to Mississippi State baseball – throughout this entire time, there's an unwritten rule that if you're committed in baseball, other schools sort of respect that and, and don't recruit you. It's, it's completely different than football, which obviously um, verbal commitments mean very, very little, and, and everybody is sort of open season until it, it's, you know, there's a signature. Well, I, I think South Carolina's staff sort of walked that line between respecting that commitment while also sort of um, making sure it was known that he would have an option, uh, you know, that he was wanted to to play baseball at South Carolina. And, you know, I I sort of had wondered as much as football has been a part of this process, uh, you know, was this was just me personally wondering, is baseball going to continue to be a big factor in his life moving forward? But um, from, from what Stone's coach said in the announcement today, and, you know, what Stone says, I mean, 
it, it sounds like it is 100% locked in that he plans to play football and baseball at the next level. Big kid, obviously, for a baseball player. Plays outfield. You'd imagine he's like a corner outfielder, I would think, at that size. Um, and I got to imagine this dude can, can hit. He's a top 500 player. Um, uh, that's what Colin Taylor said. I asked him, hey, what do I need to know about this kid as a baseball player? Um, number 17 player in Mississippi, I think. But um, it's an added bonus, obviously, for South Carolina that um, he'll he'll want to play baseball as well and plans to play baseball. Yeah, and the Gamecock Baseball Twitter account got in on the action earlier today when uh, after Stone committed, obviously, we saw some reactions on social media from Shane Beamer, Clayton White, Pete Limbo, also some uh, pictures um, and videos coming out, you know, from within the football office and Gamecock Baseball getting in on that too. And, and Wes, I get the sense very much from following Blanton's recruitment that that really played in, that maybe at the Mississippi schools – you know, I, I don't want to say this for sure, but maybe there was even a little bit of a question of, you know, the maybe the buy-in, you know, from maybe one or the other staffs at Mississippi State, Ole Miss. I told you earlier that, you know, Ole Miss kind of hot and cold kind of relationship with Blanton throughout the process for whatever reason. So uh, that was an interesting dynamic. And even though you didn't see South Carolina's baseball staff go full bore because of the kind of unwritten rule you mentioned earlier, way different than football, right? That's what stands out to me. Um, you know, th- it was clear that there was a spot for Blanton and that all sides, football, baseball, you know, were, were open to that. And I think that certainly played a, a big role in it. And Blanton's comfort level, you know, with Columbia and all the all the football and baseball staffers as well. Yeah, the, uh, the, the whole you can't recruit a guy who's committed somewhere else is – laughable in a football context right like that just gets the recruitment started in football a lot of times especially when an early commitment does oh that guy committed should we look at him again yeah yeah oh if they're gonna take him we better look at him again um oh man i'll be i'll be curious to see chris um like let's say let's take james pierce for example let's let's expand out uh with some of these other guys not not announcing on Wednesday, not going to sign on Wednesday, going to be a February guy. You know, you look at it and you're like, well, my first initial thought was, was, well, he's never taken an official to South Carolina. Maybe, maybe that finally happens. Like maybe they, they get him in. He's a guy we've sort of written off. I, I feel like a, to an extent for South Carolina, doesn't really look that great for him, even though they've kept, kept hammering away, I guess. But then I think a lot of these schools will reset their boards. James Pierce, to me, is a guy who probably could see his recruitment just sort of just blow up. And, you know, I I think everybody kind of resets after Wednesday. And we'll we'll see which of these guys really, like, become bigger factors with with sort of other schools that have missed. I mean, does Clemson take a swing at, at James Pierce? They Last I checked, they don't have any defense alignment committed so to me that makes sense um that that they would sort of maybe go that direction no doubt I mean Pierce is a guy that you know you you do like you said you see that market reset because maybe there's some guys you think are coming that don't you have a chance to assess what your needs are after the early signing period and so um these some of these guys after December you know 
really see their stock take off and the the market for them, so to speak, goes way up. So James Pierce, I know he just saw, you know, rankings bump in the Rivals.com rankings, had a really good senior year. And even programs, for instance, West Georgia, who's recruited better than basically anybody in the 2022 class, they really like James Pierce. Probably not going to have room in this class because they've had some targets, you know, basically Kirby Smart toying with Florida's commitment list earlier this year, picking off a lot of their guys from Dan Mullen when he was still there and have a chance, for example, at C.J. Smith, the former Florida commitment. Crazy, right? But uh, they're probably not going to have room for a guy like James Pierce. But this is a guy that a lot of schools like. South Carolina has been on him a while. Mike Peterson, you know, this was at his state title game. Uh, back on Friday, I think it was, or Saturday. Um, and then the previous weekend, you know, went by his other playoff game as well. So he's certainly going to be a guy to watch, not only at South Carolina, but other programs, and I think could could see his stock, you know, continue to rise. Uh, let's see. Let's maybe go through a few of these guys. Actually, let's remind everybody, Wednesday, Chris, uh, we will have a show, but it will be a little bit different. You see it right there, 9 a.m. to noon. This will be a simulcast. I will say this, bear with us. I Hopefully, we're able to pull this off from a technology standpoint, but that, that's the plan. We'll have a simulcast on 107.5 The Game and, of course, right here on all the Gamecock Central social channels. Um, Herndon Chevrolet will be the primary sponsor of that on 107.5. And, of course, our buddy Clint Hammond right here, on GC Live every single day will be our presenting streaming sponsor. So y'all come check that out. We'll still be able to take your questions. May may take questions during the commercial breaks because we'll obviously have to take the 107.5 commercial breaks uh, for doing this as a simulcast. But uh, we'll be fun. First time we've ever done this, I think. So uh, we've done the the special before, but never done it as a simulcast. So we're excited about that. Let's go. So this is the graphic we used on Friday. And geez, we, we know a lot. We know a lot more now about this list. Yes, we do. If I if I had a telestrator right now, you could put a check mark um, by Barham. You could put a check mark by Stone Blanton. You'd write February by James Pierce. You'd write February by R. Mason Thomas. Chris, would would we? Would we cross out Jake Johnson at this point? Or would we say probably not? How how strong would we go if I was illustrating this graphic? Very inefficient on the Telestrator to write probably not. That would take too long. Um, So am I I marking him out or not quite to that point? I wouldn't do it officially. I don't like marking guys out until it's official. You know, um, we've had a ton of Jake Johnson and Max Johnson questions there on the Primal Gourmet chat line. Of course, Wes, Gamecock Central subscribers. They know. They know from last night, our update. uh, Less than stellar development for South Carolina there. Probably not happening, but we are because this is our job. We're going to continue tracking it up until um, something does happen, but way less likely than it was, say, Friday, for example, when we uh, or whenever this graphic came out, was. 
Yeah, it was Friday. Uh, so Friday. I would say, uh, how about we do it like this? We would say we would put a stock down. Absolutely. Uh, South Carolina stock down. Yep. With Jake Johnson emoji. Um, we would have the, the little green check mark by Barham and Blanton. I think we would maybe say South Carolina stock up with Xavier Short. Yep. Champion. And I think we would say South Carolina stock neutral to maybe even up with Ramon Brown based on what we thought on Friday. How about like a diagonal arrow? So like in between neutral and, and stock up, you know, diagonal. Um, no, I'm, I'm with you. Um, so when this graphic came out on Friday, my feeling with Ramon Brown was uh, you're not ready to cross him off because he hasn't signed with a school that's not South Carolina. Right. And still technically, you know, committed to Virginia Tech. But just some information that's come across over the week that we come across over the weekend. I think South Carolina is in it more than I thought. I still have personally a little bit of skepticism right now, but I also heard some pretty specific information that makes me think that they are in the running more so than I thought with Ramon Brown to where he is a possibility. So that's, that's kind of how I'd classify it. Well, man, I, I don't mind saying Ramon Brown, I believe would have to be on the GC live completely hidden list of a uh, personal favorite film in this class. Yeah. 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 This kid's good, man. Good, good film. No doubt about it. Has good film. Uh, would be a really good pickup. And the running back, you know, situation just in general for South Carolina is really interesting because, um, you know, we know in the 2022 class, there's not a player committed at the running back position and the Gamecocks would like to land one. Um, whether that ends up being somebody out of high school or even a portal option, depending on what happens. I think it's still very likely that South Carolina would like to bring in a running back in this class. That That's that's the plan, to bring in somebody. And there's we already know there's at least some movement on the current roster with Saquandre White. Probably going to be some other movement there. Very, very much a possibility of that. So uh, it is a priority. Obviously, Ramon Brown, he's another guy, Wes, where – you know, the door just kind of got opened, maybe unexpectedly, right, where you get him in because of the coaching change at Virginia Tech. You get him in late in the season for a visit. Then you are able to go in home a couple times, send Beamer in home, and now you're approaching the, the finish line of signing day with, and you're in the race, you know, which is all you can ask for at this point. Yeah, I, I have this theory, Chris, uh, that basically if, if you're where South Carolina is right now as a program, um, you know, you're you're not in the the category right now. We're we're watching, we're watching Alabama. You know, they sort of there's a few little battles they have, but for the most part, they kind of select when they when they offer. It's kind of sometimes just a lock. You look at even the way Georgia's recruiting right now. Just they're just going to steal C.J. Smith. Like they're just going to be like, all right, we want you now. We're just going to go get you. Here we and, go. You know. Let's keep it real. Clemson kind of pulled that with Antonio Williams. And, you know, but to me, if you're South Carolina right now, you can still go sign players, but you have – it's a numbers game and it's a relationships game. And you have to get yourself in, in a solid spot with enough difference makers 
that you give yourself a chance for things to play in your favor. So you, you look at, you know, a guy like Stone Blanton. Could it have gone the other way? And South Carolina would have been sitting there saying, man, that kid really liked us, but he just wasn't willing to leave Mississippi. But in this case, you had a kid, and I'll give him credit, he was willing to go to make the more difficult choice and, and go to South Carolina. And to me, if they end up getting Ramon Brown because there's a coaching change and you get a little bit of help and all that stuff, that's fine. That You know, there, there's guys in this class where, look, you know, look at Jalen Sneed. If, you know, South Carolina really came from behind just to put themselves in the conversation, and if Notre Dame doesn't hire Marcus Freeman, I – I, I think we're still talking – we're at least still talking about Jalen Sneed today as a possibility for South Carolina. So that one is the example of how it didn't – how they hung in there, they put in a lot of energy, a lot of effort, built the relationship. It, it just didn't work out. Uh, so to me, it's kind of – you have to take like a stay-the-course approach with a lot of these guys. Ramon Brown has been committed to Virginia Tech for months now, but um, he liked or likes Montero Hardesty. Terry Harsty clearly likes him, and they they sort of kept tried to keep the the option there open. And I, I think if you're South Carolina, you have to you have to win a few battles like that. You have to win some evaluations where you just find the right guy, and you have to be resourceful. I, I think in finding not just the Austin Stogners or you know Spencer Rattlers or, or guys like that in the portal. But, uh, you know, finding some some guys in the portal, they're a little bit under the radar as well. But to me, the point I'm trying to get at is like Blanton or if they can get Ramon, Ramon Brown, this is an example of big-time players. And you had to have a little bit go your way, right? But you're okay with that if you're signing good players. Yeah, it doesn't matter how you get them. Um, and a lot of times, you know, it doesn't even matter who you lose. Like we talked about – kids that are muskets or kids South Carolina really needs to sign at the end of the day in your class, you need to have, who do you get that's going to help you and who, who's going to make you better. And um, yeah, that's why I think we've been pointing to the 23 and the 24 classes much more so for South Carolina as being maybe indicative of what this staff can do in on the recruiting trail, because you nailed it. I mean, we've seen them having to come from behind on so many guys, just from a time standpoint, Shane Beamer took this job in unprecedented circumstances. South Carolina was not winning on the field, but he also took the job during a COVID-induced dead period. So you're putting the 21 class together on very short notice, and then you can't host 22 prospects either. Meanwhile, other schools have been able to build relationships for a year, two years with those same guys. So once they finally go live – you know, back in the summer with visits and camps for the first time for the 22 class, you know, you're already playing from behind. So you saw them, for example, they were able to get Ramon Brown in for an official visit. They did that. They got Stone Blanton in for an official visit. They couldn't get Jalen Sneed in for a visit. That did not happen until way later. Uh, Jaden Lucas in state DB from Malden could not get him on a visit ever, you know, and they certainly tried, but, it's just one of those things. So uh, there, there's a lot of different levels and different unique circumstances. But when you look at the 23, 24 classes, they've able they've been able to mainly, you know, the, the targets that they're recruiting for the most part, they've at least been able to get those guys on campus once. Yeah, and that's 
that's key to get those early those early campus visits. I, I think most fans look at it and you say, oh, class of 2024 kid. I mean, we'll even see people respond. Who cares? Well, it matters later on down the road to get those guys on your campus. And that's why as a staff, you have to approach it like uh, like it matters. You know, kids young, who cares that they're young? You have to still recruit them and and build those early relationships. Um, let's see. We, we've hit on a lot of the guys we're tracking, I, I guess, moving forward, Chris. For, for South Carolina as well, it will reset after Wednesday. Uh, we, we fully believe it will be – a transfer portal heavy market after that, as far as South Carolina is concerned. Now, will they keep looking? Is there a guy that sometimes guys get sort of left out, you know, in the first go round, they don't, they don't like their options. They, they wait it out. More guys will pop up. I'm sure for South Carolina, just currently we don't know who they are. And I, I saw somebody asking who are, who are O-line targets. Uh, I think it was actually Jamie Shaw. Um, shout out to Jamie who, you know, who are the O-line targets right now? Not really known necessarily who the, who the guys are that are out there that South Carolina is um, is going after. Um, I think there was one name we mentioned oh, maybe a couple weeks ago. But, um, Chris, any other guys we need to hit on before Wednesday, you think? Well, I would uh, – one guy on that graphic. Did we talk about Xavier Short? Didn't really talk about him. Uh, talking about him a little bit, a little uh, bit, yeah, yeah, and saying um, stock up for Xavier. Stock up, okay, we did. Okay, yeah. but you want to expound a little bit on short that? Short term memory, very bad. Um, yeah, I mean, not not much. Uh, just a quick update there. You know, some people may be saying, "Well, he's got the South Carolina offer, Chris and West. If he, if that's really the one he wanted, why didn't he just jump on it?" And Xavier's a loyal kid, right? App State has been recruiting him hard from the beginning. He's been committed there for a while, really good relationship with the staff. So that's created a difficult decision, difficult situation. So uh, he's going to try to hammer things out in the next couple of days. Uh, ideally, he wants to go into Wednesday knowing what he's going to do. Um, so it's just going to be a lot of, you know, thinking, talking with his family up until then. I still think at the end of the day, once it comes out, South Carolina is going to have a, a good shot to sign him. Wes, not other guys. But a uh, couple of questions that I wanted to hit on. T. Thompson mentioned on the Primal Gourmet guest line, since it's a dead period, how are they going to convince him, try and convince him to flip? I think he was talking about Barham. Dead period, guys, you can still have contact. Dead period means no face-to-face contact. So video calls, phone calls, whatever, those are still good during the dead period. It's just no face-to-face contact. So still a lot of opportunity to get to get stuff done. And then A.J. Leroy jumped in with a tip. Thank you, A.J. Uh, so he asked about Satterfield and kind of loops it into tra- quality transfer quarterback option, which, of course, is something South Carolina is going for. Wes, I mean, not, nothing new on the Satterfield situation. I don't know. I hate to say I don't know to a question. I don't know that we can answer why hasn't it happened yet. I mean, there are a lot of different ways – that these things happen. We all know after early signing day for many reasons is when you tend to see coaching movement. You see movement after early signing day for kind of obvious reasons. Sometimes candidates are not moving until early signing day. Sometimes other job situations. So 
that could very well be it here. Just because uh, nothing has happened doesn't mean that something won't happen at some point. Has it affected the transfer quarterback situation? I mean, I think with the Johnsons, going back to Max and Jake, said this on the side, I think it was more of a prestige slash logo situation there a little bit for South Carolina. We'll see what ends up happening with Spencer Rattler. Other transfer quarterback options are going to continue coming out. Zach Calzada from A&M just entered the portal today, Wes. So uh, we'll see more and we'll, we'll see maybe after Wednesday, you know, if there's any, if there's any more movement, you know, that ends up coming about in terms of the coaching carousel. Yeah. And the word carousel, man, how about the quarterback carousel with the transfer portal? I mean, the, the Max Johnson, uh, as you said, he reported that on, on Sunday. Then all of a sudden, uh, you know, the, the Max Johnson's probably uh, going to A&M. Then, boom, A&M has a quarterback in the portal. So, very interesting. John asks, where is Bo Nix going? I don't know, John. I, I think so, sometime – I was about to say it's way too early to know. Some Sometimes when a guy goes in the portal, let's be honest, it's not way too early to know because that kid has already decided where he's going before he hits the portal. <laughs> so it, with, with Bo Nix, I, I don't know that, I, you know, I obviously I rely on the reporting of the people that are around the various programs. Uh, you know, it seemed to me, and Chris, if you know more, please hop in. It seemed to me like this was just sort of a needed clean break between Auburn and Bo Nix, like maybe both sides probably are better off now. You know, I think you look, this was sort of, Harson obviously inherited Bo Nix as a quarterback. And there's always a little bit of wait and see on both sides in those scenarios. And, you know, say what you want about Bo Nix's career, but he's had some great moments. He's had some less than great moments, but I just think, it just sounds like both sides needed this split. I don't know if it was even necessarily a bad divorce, but more so just a, a needed divorce. Yeah, seems like it. I, I really don't know any more beyond that. I mean, I've talked to some of our uh, colleagues, you know, that, that cover Auburn about it and, you know, don't have a lot more to offer than that. But obviously, you know, a guy like Bo Nix, he was a he was a five-star guy. So even if his name was Bo Johnson – he's going to enter Auburn with tons of expectations, right? Well, he has the last name Nix, and he's an Auburn man. And so when he gets there, Nix plus five-star quarterback means this is what you should be and super high expectations. And as you pointed out, didn't always live up to that. Um, you know, you think about, for instance, the game last year against South Carolina, um, and you think about – you also think about some of the really good moments that he had at Auburn. And uh, – playing for a coach this year that he did not sign up to play for, playing a unique position at quarterback where there's only one ball. So uh, we saw him get injured this year. So I think, like you said, just turning the page, new chapter. I'm sure it was a, a tough decision for him. And I'll be really interested to see, you know, where he ends up going. I, I really don't have any any sense on that whatsoever. Yeah, same. Um Austin says maybe to UCF to join up with Gus. That's an interesting thought, Austin. Um, maybe. I mean, it makes sense on the surface. I don't I don't know what their relationship was like either, to be completely honest with you, man. I have no idea. Uh, let, let's hit on this. SC Scout guy saying, I'm guessing South Carolina has zero shot at Spencer Rattler. 
I I would not agree with that, man. I, I think I think Carolina has been firmly in it. I mean, uh, the fact that he he did have the Zoom call with South Carolina last week. Um, you know, this is a guy who's been a little bit all over the place, hard to get a read on. Nobody really has talked to him directly, I think, as far as media goes. But the fact he attended the Zoom call, the fact that it went well, the fact that, um, you know, South Carolina, it seems like, has maybe remained in touch at, at the very, very least. Um, there is the reporting out there about, uh, um, from Mike Farrell about him possibly being on campus this week. Again, that's we were talking about dead period earlier. That's when the dead period does play a factor. If he if he were to pop in to Columbia, he would be on his own dime, on his own. Basically, he, he wouldn't be able to be toured with the staff. He wouldn't be able to meet with the staff. It goes back to – now, we saw several kids do this when recruiting was shut, shut down during COVID, right? So is it possible? Of course it's possible. Have we been told it's happening? Uh, unless Chris has new information uh, since we popped on here, um, that's we we've never been told that's the case by anyone. Right, they're going to be on campus. I, I I can't completely say it's not happening. That Mike's report is wrong either, because I, I just don't know. Because Spencer Radler has kind of been a ghost as far as information on what's happening. Yeah, he's kept kind of quiet. There's been a lot of different bits of info floating out there. I think some that have turned out to be accurate, some that kind of where did that come from type of thing. Uh, I do feel comfortable saying that UCLA has been in the mix to some degree at least um, with, with Chip Kelly over there. Uh, we do know that South Carolina has been in the mix. We know there's been the, the Zoom call. We know there's been other communication. I couldn't confirm whether or not the kid is is going on his own dime to go walk around South Carolina or not. We just know it can't be – an unofficial visit or an official visit, no face-to-face contact. Um, we even brought it up to some sources that the notion of him visiting and it was kind of met with would be, would be news to the South Carolina staff at that point, right? Could it happen? Could it have, could it be happening now? Could it have been, you know, kind of communicated since then that's possible, but um, I don't know that him taking that trip to Columbia was ever really confirmed. And certainly it's not, a planned visit because it can't be, you know, during the dead period. Yeah. Dustin asked on our Primal Gourmet chat line, by the way, PrimalGourmetSC.com. I enjoyed an excellent lunch from Primal Gourmet today. Um, Chris, those are outstanding for days like today as well, when you are running around and you don't have time to, to think about food. Yep. Popping in the microwave. Um, I had a, like a beef roast with uh, green beans and, White rice. I had that yesterday. Very good and uh, and healthy as well. So that was a nice addition there. But Dustin asks, does having him in, assuming he even comes in, on a dead period hurt? I mean, I'll say it like this. Would you rather have him in on a real official or even unofficial visit? Of course. Would you rather him come walk around the campus in any way, shape, or form as opposed to not visiting? Right. Of course, and that that would actually speak quite a bit to some interest, in, in my opinion, if he were to do that. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, kid, it's not like he's from. Uh, let, let me just drive over from Charlotte or Atlanta, you or know, Irma. <laughs> or Irma. Kids from Arizona, you know. So obviously, uh, you know, coming from from out in the Midwest, and it'd be a, a different deal. But 
No, it, it, there's just there's not a resolution. I know everybody wants there to be for and I understand why. Trust me. Everybody wants a headline of here's the transfer quarterback that South Carolina is getting or it's a done deal or here's the guy. It's just some of the guys have kept it pretty quiet. The Johnsons, you know, have kept it very quiet. There's been no public announcement about A&M or even public stuff about which schools, you know, we've had to rely on kind of behind the scenes reporting there. So we're able to bring some, we brought some bits and pieces on Rattler and uh, hopefully we can keep doing that. Um, But there's just, we haven't picked up, you know, as much there other than there has been communication. The two sides are still talking. Let's see where it goes in the coming days. Yeah. And it's almost been like everybody's sort of used the process of elimination with with Rattler, but could, could there be a school who's just quietly in the mix here and probably maybe even quietly feeling great about it? Of course, that, that's always possible. So um, I could see a school being very happy to just kind of be under the radar, uh, you know, with, with him right now. So we'll see. Lots more talking here about the Johnson brothers on the chat. Uh, if you missed it earlier, you can go back and look, but not looking good for the Gamecocks with uh, the Johnson brothers. Uh, let's see. We'll tell everybody about Dead Soxy real quick, Chris. Yeah, I was going to hit that. Check out deadsoxy.com. Look, you may be, oh, boy, I need to get something for Christmas for somebody, maybe even for yourself. If you want to be selfish, get yourself some Dead Soxy socks, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. You can check out their college line, their college-themed socks, or the dress socks, the athletics, the no-shows, anything you want. Extensive catalog at deadsoxy.com. Check out their promo code COCKY, C-O-C-K-Y, exclusively for GC Live listeners and watchers, and get 25% off your entire order at deadsoxy.com. All right, y'all. Appreciate uh, the support, as always. Appreciate y'all watching. Um, I don't know if we'll hop on tomorrow or not. We'll we'll maybe try to, but uh, certainly, again, uh, 9 o'clock to noon on Wednesday. I want to do a spaces at some point, Chris. People have been oh. doing Twitter spaces. Oh, yeah. We did an accidental one that day. Yeah, um, we did accidental spaces when we had to because of Wi-Fi issues. Um but I would say, uh, <laughs> hey, Kendall, shout out Kendall Smith, uh, our excellent Gamecock Central intern joining us. Kendall will be at one announcement, pro- probably maybe in Irmo, maybe in Chapin. We'll see um, on somewhere Wednesday, else. Nationals or somewhere else. You don't know. So anyway, y'all, that's going to do it for today. But. We're going to do a spaces at some point, uh, a planned spaces, not an accidental spaces they were forced to do. But all right, y'all. He's Chris. I'm Wes. Shout out to everybody that joined us. Uh, like, follow, subscribe, all that stuff. Y'all have a good one. Appreciate it. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today.